Hi, this is the Rocket Recovery. And this is Josh Bond. And this is Angie Meadows. And today we're going to talk about the Rocket Recovery Detachment Book, and we're going to be looking at principle number three. We'll be looking at some survival skills, higher and lower levels of love, so that we know what God's love looks like, the strength of developing our own identity, and what it looks like not to be a rescuer. So, Josh, let's see if we can get to the page we're going to. How's your day today? It's great. Every day's great. <laughs> Every day's great. It is. So we were talking before we got started about how sometimes it's difficult to get your prayer life going. Yes, it is. It takes quite a bit of discipline to, and, and like I was telling him, it doesn't take much discipline for me to sit down and get stuff for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it takes discipline for, for me to sit down and feel like I'm worthy to hear something from the Lord for me. So detachment is finding a healthy identity. So sometimes my identity is in being a rescuer and not necessarily being a child of God and having his love and his value and understanding that I, I don't need to be feeling like I'm unworthy and like the Lord doesn't want to talk to me. I, I can be sitting there and know that he wants to be my friend. Yes, you're that right. I don't, I don't have to be like working, working, working in order to get his approval. He's going to be my friend. Um, so detachment is finding a healthy identity. So I, I want you to know that if you're not sitting in the Word, if you're not soaking up his presence, if you're not feeling comfortable in that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, it's likely that you don't have a good identity. That's right that you're still stuck in a past, stuck being abused. So kick us off with the introduction, Josh. My emotional stability is not dependent on another person or their sobriety. Maturity self-regulates in chaos. This is vital to survival. Learning to cope with nonsense, nonsense and detach from it is your emotional stability. Yeah, sometimes it's difficult to learn to self-regulate, and some people self-regulate with uh, violence or anger yeah. or or just complaining and that negative rumination kind of discharges some of their anxiety. So the Lord says, it is written, be holy because I am holy in 1 Peter 1.16. So I don't want to connect to the chaos. I want to connect to the Lord, to the word of the Lord. It says, and we urge you, brothers, warn them which are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. So I think, Josh, that that means to be patient with me, with myself, yes. too. Because he, we have a, a habit of doing what is comfortable, and sometimes chaos becomes comfortable. Ooh. And instead <laughs> of going outside the box or thinking the way God wants us to think, we'd rather live in misery and live because we've grown to be comfortable you know what i mean i don't think we know anything different sometimes or that it's possible that it would be out there or that we know how to think ourselves out of that box yeah so here are some survival skills number one separate yourself emotionally and physically as much as possible from to toxic relationships i know it's toxic if i'm uh waking up in the middle of the night arguing with somebody who's unreasonable <laughs> I'm just like, okay, I got to move back. I got to this is toxic. Okay, number two. Care less for another person's comfort and more for your own sobriety. Hmm. Amen. Yeah, so if you are taking care of a friend who is not sober and you're trying to get sober or you're trying to stay mentally sane, it, you may have to you may have to let them 
sit there for a while because it may affect you more than you could ever imagine that it's affecting you by staying there for them. So let's look at number three. Build yourself up with healthy relationships. Understand that staying in toxic relationships means you will emotionally struggle. Hmm. Build yourself up with healthy relationships. So if you are consumed with a toxic relationship, you probably haven't made space for healthy relationships. That's right. So let's make some space for some healthy relationships. Think about who in your life is is emotionally healthy and that really helps you uh, enjoy your life without drawing you and draining you and being like that vampire that sucks you dry. (laughs) Number four. Enjoy your life. Talk less about your relationship issues, except occasionally with your closest friends. Yeah, no, it was very difficult when a counselor gave me an assignment to go to tea with some ladies after a workout class. I'm like, uh, they talk spices, recipes, and grandkids. <laughs> she says, honey, that's normal. I was like, really? <laughs> and I realized at that point that I pretty much I pretty much bond with toxicity. <laughs> I think it's called trauma bonding. I've yeah, been I've bonding. been listening to some YouTube videos on trauma bonding and recognizing some of that uh noisy nonsense in myself. And I think that that's what we do. If we can get a name on it, now I can study it and now I can find some healing with it. So number five. Am I learning self mastery? And disciplines in my walk with Christ. Hmm. So as I start reading the word, I need to apply those things to my life. The Lord says to forgive. I need to work on forgiveness. Amen. Yes. Yeah. The Lord says to delight yourself in me. I need to work on being delighted. You know, blessed is the man. And so I need to start looking at how can I be more blessed? How can I, which blessed means happiness. Yes. So that's what everyone wants, right? That's what makes me feel that internal peace is finding my happiness. So I need to look at those scriptures. Well, it, it's in uh, sitting with the Lord. It's in having counsel with the Lord and not with the ungodly. <laughs> so number six. Uh, what does is my eternal dialogue to myself? Mm, so if I am beating myself up, is that healthy? No. No, no. I'm going to no. be stuck. I'm yes. going to be stuck. And that's not – if you're doing that, it's a habit. Just start listening to it, writing it down, and then realizing that 90% of it's probably a lie. Yeah. And if you can uh, expose those lies now, you can get free. So number seven. Do I have quiet, reflective journaling disciplines set up in my life? Hmm. Do I? Some days. (laughs) <laughs> some weeks, some months, and then I get off. Uh, something happens. I get moving too fast. I get a little anxious, and then I forget, or I sit down, and it's not reflective. It's complaining. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. This is a day to laugh at myself. <laughs> number, it's number, a good day, then. <laughs> number eight. <laughs> Am I crying out for God's mercy to change me and my loved ones? So I was pulling off some of my devotions from the summer and putting them all in one place, and as I was doing that, I was looking at, now this was from last summer, so this was like eight, nine months ago. I was looking at the journaling I had done every, you know, two, three days a week. And I realized that a lot of those things I was crying out to God to deliver me from, he did. Yes. He answered those prayers, Josh. And I didn't, I had not uh, realized that I had even prayed them. God, deliver me from this. God, strengthen me here. God, help me here. And man, there's so many things that happened that turned it around that I had forgotten that I had prayed for. And sometimes we pray and we cry out to God. And then it's a month or two before things get lined up that we get deliverance and we don't 
go back and realize, oh, that's an answer to my prayer. I need to be praising him for that. Amen. Number yes. nine. Am I pulling them out of the fire or am I being pulled in? <clears throat> Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy. Mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the cor- corrupted flesh. Jude 23, snatch others from the fire and save them. Show mercy to others mixed with the fear, hating even the clothing stained by the corrupted flesh. Some people you can help. Some people you got to move in, move out pretty fast. Some people you got to give them some space till they're ready. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Number 10. Things usually become worse before they are better. <laughs> Especially if you give it back to them. Yes. It escalates. But that's okay. Um, sometimes people will escalate trauma intentionally to hook you back in, to get their enablers to come back. They'll yeah. do even more drama. And sometimes that's when you let, need to let them feel the full brunt of it right here. Things usually become worse before they are better. Yes, Underst- I understand. if I interrupt my recovery to help a person in active substance use disorder with enabling, they will likely relapse or continue actively using it and refuse treatment. Hmm. Yeah, if they're warm, fed, and dry, they don't really need to go seek treatment. That's real. Sometimes yeah. they got to feel that uh, consequences to their actions. Number 11. Use outside authorities to hold others accountable. Uh, this is... This is um, you have to use discernment. You have yes. to know when it's time. Because yes. sometimes if you hold, try to hold people accountable too quick, it just drives them deeper into their stubbornness. Yes, resentments and yeah. stuff. Yes. So number 12. Understand the lower levels of love. 13. Practice higher levels of love. True love isn't afraid to let someone have their own consequences. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the lower and higher levels of love. There are six lower ones. And to be to, to be loved, to be greatly loved, is to be a beloved. And the Lord calls us, us, his beloved. So I want to be able to get to the place with my loved ones that they're my beloved and I'm their beloved. And that's not capable if I'm at these lower levels of love. So let's look at number one. Self-love, empty, lonely, selfish, using others, characterized by a life of confusion. Hmm. So if there's a lot of confusion in your life, you probably have people in your life that are selfish. Number two. False love, kind speech and words, but not in their heart. This type of love is very irritating. So if I'm speaking kind words, but on the very end of it is flattery, manipulation to get you to do something for me, it's not because I love you. It's because I'm trying to manipulate you with kind words. Yes. Number three. Enabling love. This person understands consequences and tries to remove the mountains in other people's lives. Usually these mountains are very important so the person can grow and mature and become strong. This person has faith. But their faith is usually in themselves or in their money. So if I'm enabling somebody to stay sick and I keep throwing money at a problem, that fixes that problem that day and gives me relief. But the next day or the next week, we have another problem. And now i got to throw more money at them. So if you're doing this as an enabler, just understand that your money's not helping and let them suffer. (laughs) Yeah, true. Yeah. So number four. Best effort love. This person does a lot of charity work and gives of themselves. They do this to look good or to make up for other things that are not right. This type of love can be motivated by guilt or a need for approval and acceptance. Explore recovery in attachment disorders. Hmm. So sometimes insecure attachments will cause me to desire to have affirmation, affection, approval from leaders, 
you know, I didn't get it. Maybe I didn't get it from my parents. So then I go to outside sources and look at it from a boss or from a, uh, a pastor or secretaries at a church or other leaders in my life. And as I'm doing this, I may be spending myself like 10, 20 hours a week. Um, and at the end of the week, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm not doing it out of love. I'm doing it out of a need. So what I had to do was realize that I had to figure out where my call was and I had to work there because now God's given me that blessing. And it's okay if people love it. It's okay if they don't yeah. because I'm doing it for the Lord. Yes. I'm not doing it to get um, recognition that, or anything that recognition, like that, that yes. validation. Yes. And, and if you're really uh, empty, wanting that approval. You could be 50 years old and still wanting approval from your parents, and they're not capable of giving it to you. So start working through some insecure attachments. Start looking at attachment disorders and studying that. So here's some higher levels of love. We want to understand our life purpose. Number five, true love. True love is? Patient and kind. This person wrestles their own stubborn self-will and pins it to the ground and pursues being a person that loves this way. This person repents often. So I want to be patient and kind with me first, and then patient and kind with you. And I want to practice that, and then I want to go back and repent when I have failed. Number six, tough love. This love is strong enough to allow others to have free will, make choices, and suffer consequences. This person trusts that others can find their own strength. Now, you know what? It it took me a long time to understand that people, that it was okay to let other people suffer, that it was okay. Suffering may not be so bad. Um, I learned, I got God's grace through suffering. Um, I learned to follow him close to my shepherd with suffering. And so if I allow this person to suffer, I can trust that God's going to lead them and guide them. And they're going to find their own path. And, you know, when you leave somebody in the streets, Josh, that's, that's kind of hard. You lay awake at night, yeah. uh, especially as a mama. <laughs> so, but if you, can say, if you can say to yourself, if you can pray it, if you can talk to the Lord about it and say, okay, Lord, I, look how gracious you've been to me. I can trust that you can help them find their own way. And, and, you know, it's scary out there. Yes. It's it's particularly scary. I always break it down to like, okay, so because I like to exercise. So if I want to exercise and I want to grow, I have to exercise and I know that I'm going to be sore. But that sore means growth, which is pain. Pain means growth. So if I, like we were talking earlier and you said, if I'm always getting pampered or uh, sh- just showed everything I should be doing and never learning any lessons or never going through pain, I'll never learn. You know what I mean? Yes, that pain means growth. It does. Or it means bitterness and destruction. And it's up to me as to what I, what I do with it. Yes. And so I, I know that sometimes when I set up tough love boundaries that I, I might lose the person. Yeah. They might overdose. They might die. They, they might go to prison. If there's th- but, you know, I have to decide that that was their choice. Yes. And if I keep making them a soft place to land, I might be the one that's going to drive them quicker to overdose instead of putting them out just a bit and letting them learn. Yeah, letting them learn. Yes. And, oh, man, to conquer that anxiety and say, okay, Lord, and pray your way through it and regulate yourself and your fears and just say, okay, Lord, I trust you. You love them more than I love them. I trust you. And I can't tell you how many times that people told me uh, that my son wouldn't live because of what I was doing. But, yeah. you know, he wasn't going to live because of what he was doing. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't putting the needle in his arm. He was. <clears throat> yes. And he says now on this, this side of it, that was the best thing you ever did for me. Yes. Now, if he had been a daughter, 
I think it would have been even harder to have left her in the streets. So, you know, you've just got to get good counsel, good advice, uh, find your resources, find the food pantries, the food kitchens, the shelters, the the numbers that you can hand them that can help them. Because a lot of times they need more help than I can give them. And when I step back in, I'm, I'm the one suffering it. Yes. And, and usurping their consequences. So number seven, perfect love. Characterized by having no fear, speak truth to yourself frequently, and wrestle fear and pin it to the ground. Yeah, I know that if I'm afraid that I have not found perfect love with this person and perfect love with trusting God. Number eight. Love your higher power and your neighbor as yourself. This love is pure and seeks opportunity to help those in genuine need. Hmm. So sometimes when I couldn't help my own, I could turn around and help somebody else's. Yes. And they were ready, even though mine wasn't. And then I could, instead of laying up on my bed at night and fearing that, oh, no, he's hungry, oh, no, oh, no, I could say, oh, I fed one. Somebody will feed him. Yeah. yeah it'll be all right. He'll yeah. figure it out. And, you know, he tells me that he never went without a meal. Yeah. He said, even if I, he said, no matter when I cried out to God, he answered me. He said, I was never closer to God than I was in the street. And I'm yeah. like, really? <laughs> oh, there's sleepless nights. Yeah. Number nine. <laughs> Love with great peace. This person will never take an offense. He will show compassion for the burdens of others. This person visits the sick, takes a meal to those with cancer or a new baby, etc. This person keeps their schedule loose enough to plan for the little interruptions in life. Look at that. Love with great peace. Never takes offense. Perfect peace have laid that love the law of the Lord and nothing shall offend them in Psalms 119, 165. So what I do is I... When I feel that offense, Josh, I feel it. My jaw is tightened. My throat tightens. My little fist goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> I might have my words right, even my tone right, but my spirit is off. And so when I have that offense, I take it to the Lord. And I say, Lord, I love your word more than I love being offended. Yeah. So I'm not going to do this. I am not going to be offended. I'm yes. not going to. Because when I'm offended, my peace is gone. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, everlasting love, number 10. This love transcends time, space, and all eternity, and will love forever. This is a love that is more powerful than life. This is a place of safety and honor. When there is higher level of faithful, devoted, selfish, reciprocal love and devotion, you can be greatly loved and find someone you can safely love and become someone's beloved. Mm, so I want to be devoted, selfless, reciprocal. So I want to be able to love in such a way that my love's going to outlive me. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> so when I lose somebody, I might lose them physically here, but I don't lose the love that I had for them. Yeah. And and sometimes when we lose a loved one, we think they're gone. But your love is strong enough. If you've lost somebody you loved, your love is strong enough to live. Yes. So instead, I want you to go live a double life in their honor. I want you to know that love lives forever. Yeah, because think about it. If if you love somebody, you are always going to remember, remember them. If you really didn't like that neighbor and he passed away, three months from then you'll be there. Somebody might say his name and you might not ever remember him. Right. A couple of years from yes. now, you will not remember him. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that love's going to live in your heart. It is, forever. And if you can connect to the love in your heart for somebody who's gone, they're not really gone. They're living through you. Yes. And and they're, they're still there. They're still in your heart. So I want you to have strength in your own identity. So here's a way to evaluate this. Here are some great questions to work through with a trusted friend, a support group, or a counselor. Number one. In what or whom is my identity? Is it in a higher power, my political influence, personal power, or money? 
my career, my marriage, or children. So if I'm trying to control something, if I'm wrestling with something, if I'm constantly in anxiety over money, over um, my career, over my children, my identity is not in my higher power. It's not in God. It's in the circumstances of my life. Yeah, you're right. Okay, number two. Do I think me, my friends, or loved ones need more money and our problems will be solved? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm pretty convinced that money does not solve problems. No, it (laughs) It helps. It's wonderful uh, if it's used correctly, but it could cause just as many problems as it would (laughs) ever cure. (laughs) Number three. How much time each day am I anxious? Hmm. So, Josh, some days I can be anxious for hours before I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I'm anxious. What am I anxious about? And then once I process it and release it to the Lord, I'm not anxious anymore. Now I can, and, and I know I'm not anxious because I'm singing. Yeah. I'm humming. I'm, I'm smiling. Uh, I have uh, a peace about me that I didn't have a moment before. So number four. Could I use journaling to, to detach from my negative emotions? Dear God, I hate this. I hate that. Why did you let this happen? Why did you, you know, I think he's big enough to handle that, Josh. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> the psalmist David did it. He ranted yeah. at the Lord, and the Lord said, he's a man after my own heart. Yeah. And why is he a man after God's own heart? Because he was able to express himself. And then by the time he got to the end of almost every psalm, he said, okay, we got this, Lord. I, all right, <laughs> I know you love me. It's okay. I'm going to be a doorkeeper in your house and sitting with those wicked. I, it's okay. I just needed a vent. I just <laughs> needed a vent. <laughs> and I think the Lord's got big enough shoulders to handle that. Yes. Okay, number five. Do I know how to refuse to be emotionally manipulated? Hmm. Do you even know when you're being emotionally manipulated? So when I'm making a decision, Josh, I don't want to make it out of anxiety. I don't want to make it out of fear. I don't want to make it because somebody's standing in front of me crying. I want to make the decision because I know it's what's best for them and best for my future. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. And so sometimes I can't make those decisions. I am too emotionally entangled with this person. So I got to go to my trusted friends who are not emotionally involved and say, what would you do? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay, number six. Can I identify how I am being manipulated? So what does manipulation look like? We'll get to a lesson on this soon. Um, It's uh, somebody asked, coming sweetly, asking nicely. And if I don't have the right to say no to them without them escalating and being angry and flipping my words and bringing up my past and then getting really volatile and just cutting off the whole relationship, I I don't have the right to say yes. Yes. It's only out of manipulation. They didn't come to me out of love. They didn't come to me out of respect or honor. They came to me to manipulate me. So if you're free to say no, then, honey, you're free to say yes. So say no first and see how they act. (laughs) And you'll know whether or not they love you and they're like, you're you're right, this is my problem. I'm going to think about this. Could you just say a prayer for me? It's okay. I wouldn't expect you to take care of this. This It's something I call, something I did to myself and I need to work on it well, at that point you might be able to say yes yeah because now you know that they didn't come to manipulate you and use you they actually are, are, are having some responsibility yeah number seven can I quiet my fears what are my greatest fears can you name your fears so one of these quite these are journaling questions Josh and sometimes if I can set with this and say what am I afraid of 
Yes. <laughs> the first time I did that, I wrote two pages. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I did. And then a couple of years later, I looked at those pages. I found them, and I thought, you know, I'm not afraid of it. Yeah. 90% of this stuff now. Yeah. Uh, but, buddy, at that time, I was. Um, so sometimes if you can just identify your fears, you can start moving them. CNAA, they make us do that. And step four, they have a sheet that we fill out, or you do it yourself through your sponsor, uh, and it's a fear sheet. Like, you know what I mean? It's a harm. You got harms, fears. All hmm. you got different sheets. Okay. You got to fill out, and it's okay. it's a big list. Okay. And why are you afraid? Why you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. You can find the root. You can find the lie. Yeah, you're right. So number eight. Do you, I think I have the power to change my loved one? If you do, you're a fool. <laughs> we don't have the power to hardly change ourselves. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> we got to get ourselves by the scruff of the neck and shake ourselves and pin ourselves to the mat and repent and cry out yes. and beg God to help us change. How If I can't do that with myself, how am I going to do that with somebody else? Yeah. I mean, so I pretty much have to give them back authority over their own life. And isn't that what God does to us? Yeah. He gives us free will. Yep. Perfect love cast out fear because fear has torment. Well, what would perfect love look like? It would look like letting someone have their own choices. Yeah. Just like God, let me have my choice. Yep. And he's not he's not sitting up there wringing his hands afraid that I'm making the wrong one. He's like, okay, well, we're going to go around this block again. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't learn. Yeah. <laughs> so number nine. Am I pulling my loved one out of the fire or am I being pulled in? So sometimes if you're staying with someone who is abusive, someone who is intoxicated, uh, an active substance use disorder, you may be pulled into the fire. Yeah. You are harming yourself by staying there. Yeah. And there's a lot of different reasons you may stay, but you really have to look at, am I, am I really helping because a lot of times we're not. We're just keeping them stuck. Yeah. Keeping we're being we're keeping them propped up to make them comfortable. So let's look at this rescuer evaluation. Number one. Am I addicted to rescuing my loved one with addictive behaviors? Do I think rescuing is my responsibility? Am I gullible and believe everything I am told by my loved one? If your loved one's in active addiction, the things that you're being told are probably 80%, 90% lies. Facts. <laughs> yeah, if they're in active addiction. Uh, so I have to think, and I'm a big rescuer. So Josh and his girl Tosh put me on a no rescue contract. Yes. So I'm not allowed to rescue anybody. And you know, when, uh, when I told a couple of them I, I was on a no rescue contact, they stopped calling me. Yeah. So that tells you. Yeah. Now the ones that still love me, still love me. Yeah. <laughs> so I figured out who my friends were really quick when I said, okay. I'm in recovery for being an enabler, and I'm on a no-rescue contract. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Number two. How could I investigate and hold people accountable? Hmm. So if somebody's telling you something, I really owe this child support, and they're going to da 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 and they're going to put me in jail if, if I don't be. Well, you know, investigate it. Get, them on the, get the child support office on the phone. If you really want to help this person pay their child support, uh, go get a money order, address it to the child support office, put a stamp on it, and go there to the post go. office and give it to them. You give them cash, by the, t <coughs> the time they leave your house, they have no possibility other than getting drugs. So my loved one said, whatever you do, I don't care how much of a crisis it is and how much I'm begging, don't give me cash. Yes. It's just not the way, I mean, if if they can't hold themselves accountable and they're not in active recovery, it's not going to work. Yeah. It's not ever going to fix a problem. They'll come back tomorrow with the same bill. So number three. What am I doing that perpetrates the per addictive? 
perpetuates. Oh, perpetuates. <laughs> the addictive cycle. Perpetuates. What am I doing? That means uh, continues it, uh, elevates it, escalates it. What am I doing? That's a, and, and then as a rescuer, am I getting some sort of endorphin release by solving somebody else's problem and being a hero? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh, obviously, that was a pattern that I had growing up. I was a little scapegoat. <laughs> I cut in the middle of everybody and, and kept everybody at peace and, and walked on eggshells and made sure everything was perfect. And so a lot of times it's just a pattern that we grew up with. So number four. How could I exercise my no muscle? You know, I wrote this in O on my hand. I even thought that I should write it on my forehead so that when people came to me, they would see the answer before <laughs> I got they got there because yeah. I was so used to saying yes and I felt guilty when I said no that when I got this power to say no I said no to everybody yeah. and all of a sudden I was saying no to things I really wanted to do but <laughs> so it kind of went to the extreme for a little while but then I was able to say okay there are a couple things I want to say yes to and I had the time and the space to do that and to enjoy them yes. so exercise your no muscle it's okay Yes. No, I'm not going to do that. No, it's not my turn to no cook. No is a complete sentence. It's your turn to cook. Mm-hmm. No, it's not my turn to do that either. <laughs> it's your turn. Number five. How can I make stronger boundaries if my boundaries aren't respected? Hmm. That's a good one, Josh. Yes. So if your boundaries aren't respected, then you have not, you have given your power away to enable somebody else. So you have to back up and develop your own power so that you have power to come, power to go power to um, call the law, get somebody out of your place, power to take your keys back to your car, to your home, to your, you know, sometimes we give our power away. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. And so That's a fact, if I don't, if I'm giving people boundaries and they're running me over in 15 minutes telling me that they don't respect my boundaries, I'm in toxicity and yes. I need help for me. Yes. So I can set up a boundary that's going to be respected and I'm going to feel um, less vulnerable. I'm going to feel more like an adult yes. that I've got that I've got some ability to make my own decisions. Because a lot of times, um, when you're in toxic relationships, you lose your decision making power. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's Things facts. get so confusing that you don't have the power. So you really got to distance yourself, even if it's just for five days to go off to a conference or a vacation with your girlfriends or something like that. You've got to get away for a few days so that you can get some perspective on the situation. Yes. So number six. How can I empower myself to become independent from abusers? Eh, sometimes there's stinky choice number one and stinkier cho- choice number two. <laughs> <laughs> so outline your choices. Uh, they may not be good, but you got choices. And sometimes when I got choices, um, I'm not so anxious. I'm yes. like, okay, I, I could make a move. It's uncomfortable. It would it would be harder at first. It, it would have a different outcome. It would be better in the end. But all of a sudden, I've got choices. So I can choose to stay if I want. But I've got choices that will empower me not to be anxious the whole time I'm there. Number seven. Can I overcome culture expectations and say no to abusive parent, spouse, or adult child? Hmm. Sometimes we're just expected to keep going back and taking that abuse. Number eight. How long have I suffered abuse or neglect? How many decades? Yeah. And as a child, Josh, you can't. You can't get away. You're right. Um, and so sometimes I'm 20s, 30s, 40s, and I don't realize I can walk away. Yeah. But walking away is really powerful. It is. Uh, it may land you in a shelter, a domestic violence shelter, a homeless shelter. Uh, but you know what? 
it's still taking my power back. It's still saying, now, wait a minute, I'm an adult. Look at, look at that. I'm big now. Nobody, I don't have to sit here and, let, and take this. So you just have to decide for yourself what's best for yourself. And in all of the lessons that we teach, it's general information. Only you're, you are going to know what's best for you and your family and your loved ones. So you really have to be able to have your good counselors, your good sponsors, your good help, your prayer life, your um, ability to make your own decision. Does that make sense? Yeah. So number nine. Am I in an abusive relationship? Is this my first abusive relationship? So I've had ladies talk to me about, don't you care that I'm being abused? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, now how many times, how many, how many relationships have you been in like this? Is this your first? No. As a matter of fact, I, I've been divorced four times, and they were all violent. Mm -hmm. and, and so this one is worse. No, actually, I get better each time. This one's better. Okay, so you do this consistently, so let's figure out why you're doing it. Because yes. getting away from it just lands you back in it. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you're basically seeking out the same vibrational energy, the same yeah. toxic relationships. So if you're in your third, fourth, fifth abusive relationship, go back and look at your childhood. Go back and look at the things that were broke in you that you're trying to fix by repeating these patterns. So number 10. Do I have any safe relationships? Hmm. Do I have any safe relationships? Okay, that's a good question to ask yourself. Number 11. What have I done to attempt to resolve this issue? So I want you to think about if I am stuck, what have I, what have I already tried that hasn't worked? And do I need to try it again? Do I need to put in more effort? Do I need to have a different decision? Do I need to have more counsel? Number 12. What could I do to change my circumstances? Outline your possible choices. Even outline choices that you think are not acceptable but hmm. are still options. Yeah, so application. Finding mature love means letting go of the lower levels of love. This will allow you to give and receive higher levels of love. Healthy love does not fear letting go. Sick love manipulates and controls consequences for irresponsible behaviors, <clears throat> which cause more dependency yeah, dependency and prolonged suffering. So think effective boundaries. At times, you may need to draw near your loved ones. At other times, you may need to move back and allow them the space to suffer and develop their own levels of healing. So the principle here is my emotional stability is not dependent upon another person or their sobriety. So in conclusion, every individual with addictive behaviors has an enabler who is just as sick. Individuals caught in addiction need more help than an enabler is capable of offering them. Love does not fear. Love can let go and trust that even in death, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. My dependency upon God is my only priority. My continual surrender and detaching from the things that cause me suffering is my job. Hmm. Continual surrender. So now have compassion. Make a difference with yourself first. You can't help anyone else until you can find your balance and a strong, steady recovery. Find your good counselors, your recovery support groups. Uh, teach yourself to self-regulate your own anxiety, your own emotions. And then you aren't dependent upon another person or on their strength. Lead the way. Find recovery for yourself. Now, Josh, pray us out of here. Oh, Lord, strengthen me and God me with like a gentle shepherd help me to let go of toxic relationships help me to find healthy relationships where i am cherished let me build my identity in you and not in others 
Help me, God, to find my emotional stability and stand strong enough to do the right thing and turn over, turn others over to you. Lord, give me your strength. We love you, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Hey, man, and this is Angie Maddox. And this is Josh Bond. And if you want to listen to this again, our podcast is Rock Recovery on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Pandora. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>